Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien... Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's DCNews35. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. the DC Comics News Podcast Network. This is our weekly podcast, and we love to bring you what we feel is a great selection of movie, TV, streaming, comics, and all sorts of news from that world that we love, known as DC Comics. I'm your host, Seth Singleton, episode number 124, and I am joined by the amazing Kendra Hale. Kendra, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Seth? Um, well, caffeine is flowing. Things are smoother now. And I'm also thankful to be here with the amazing Brad Felicki. Brad, how you doing today, sir? Yeah, I'm good. And how are you? <laughs> I guess you just answered <laughs> Again, that. Yeah, you? <laughs> <laughs> man. I just keep pouring coffee. <laughs> I don't know. Like <laughs> It's like that wash, rinse, repeat thing. Make the coffee, drink the coffee, make the coffee, drink the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, I'm not guaranteeing it's all going to kick in by the time we need it, let alone by the time we're done with this recording. But the coffee is flowing, so there's hope. Don't worry. Give me time. I'm going to get you there. I've got the amazing Kendra and Brad with me. We've got an amazing list of comic-related news. We're going to start things off in the movie news segment. And there's this little project you might have heard of called uh, Suicide Squad by this director, James Gunn. It's kind of, you know, making some some waves here and there. And uh, (laughs) the uh, Suicide Squad has recently taken over Empire, and they've got a whole slew of covers. It looks like six in total, and I thought they were pretty cool, but you didn't tune in just to hear me. So I'm going to start off with Kendra. Kendra, what do you think about these Suicide Squad Empire covers? I think they're wonderful. I love the amount of detail that's put into them. I love how you get to see literally every character put on display and have a, a spotlight shown on them. I think they are really neat, and if you are a collector and and a fan, then these are going to be must-haves for your collection. Brad, what about you? Yeah, Empire always has the absolute best covers. Uh, You know, it's they're always, you know, being you know American, it it costs these magazines aren't cheap, Empire, but the covers are worth the uh, worth the price. And uh, they are similar to those the cover that came out a few months ago that had the whole team, but with these kind of like individual close-ups. But I got to tell you, my personal favorite is 
the one that uh, th- that pencil sketch looking one is really really cool. So that's that's my personal favorite. Uh, what about you, Seth? That one is really cool, right? <laughs> There's yeah. something very comic book about it. Like the others, definitely feel like they're kind of movie poster esque. You know, I feel like I'm looking at like a oh god, what's the one that my wife's always into? It's it's September September Vogue. I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the craze that occurs with those who are fashion related. Boy, wait a minute, Brad, you know about this. You're fashion yeah, guy. I do, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, out. September Vogue. It's like, you know, it's just this is like amazing outpouring of just like, I don't know. I've heard joy. I've heard a mixture of like Christmas and falling in love. I, I, I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> that's what the uh, a lot of these covers they just had this cool sort of very stylistic glamour. But then you get to that last one, it definitely felt comic book like, and uh, I really dug that. That was a pretty cool setup there. Plus, uh, you know, our thinker with those things sticking out of his head, sort of looming over everything, makes for a nice ominous foreshadowing, perhaps. Now, because it's Suicide Squad and it's coming out August 6th, and that means you're just going to hear more and more stories as we get closer. We're actually recording on July 4th. That's right. The amazing people with me, they're holding off on all the barbecue and fireworks until they're done with all these great stories with you. So I don't know. Send them a hey, give them a wave, send them a thank you, whatever. I'm just letting you know that that's what they're doing on your behalf. And uh, as we get closer, news about Suicide Squad is just going to continue. And it's been confirmed that there's a post-credit scene. So uh, was there much more to take away from this than the announcement that there will be a scene? Or did you guys unearth some other interesting tidbit from this story? Kendra? One of the things that I took away from this story specifically, I mean, in in the last, I would, I would even go so far as to say decade or more, we've seen that in-credit scenes have been more and more of, you know, a, a trend that's been happening is, you know, to keep the moviegoers in their seat or those who have purchased it to see the after effects, to see a hint of what might be coming. But one thing that stuck out to me was that he had said in the quote that, you know, in his movies, he has always had one that has been basically his baby or his brainchild. But studios themselves have jumped on and they want that as well so it's really cool to see someone who has always had that trend for his movies get studios on board wanting to do that as well because they see you know they see why he's doing it and how much impact it has so that was really cool to to see him him throw that out there brad what about you yeah, he's been so good about being cryptic and giving us just enough news or hints to keep us interested, but not really telling us much. So, you know, I'm reading this quote from him and you read the first half and it's like, oh, OK, so he has the say. So it doesn't necessarily have to hint in anything that's coming. It could just be a funny little side note. But then he says, oh, but sometimes the studio wants me to do things. So it's like, well. No, I still don't know what I think I'm going to get. But if I was a betting man, I would say that it's going to be kind of like a, a silly post-credit scene, kind of like the Howard the Duck in uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, what about you, Seth? Yeah, I'm in an interesting place with this one. So I, I do agree with uh, what both of you were saying, Kendra. I think you nailed it. You know, it's 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 something that he has already made a part of 
his filmmaking style. It's not like he's just adding something on because of the studios. And yet at the same time, he's willing to uh, modify whatever his planned or maybe not uh, concrete idea for a end credit scene. Uh, if it works well with whatever it is the studio is asking him to do. Brad, you brought up an interesting point. Sometimes it has nothing to do with much of anything, like a Howard the Duck, sort of just like, hey, here's a little wink and a smile at you for those of you that might remember this character or, you know, love the plausibility of it maybe leading to something or just, again, just a, a wink and a nod to uh, to fans. I, I am intrigued because I do know that with this one, we know that Suicide Squad is actually just the beginning, literally, because Peacemaker will be having its own spinoff. So there's a part of me that wonders if that's what the end credit scene will be or if, once again, James Gunn will be like, no, 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 no. That's what you want. So I'm going to give you something that's going to make you laugh instead. And he just goes with like the Howard the Duck approach or something like that. <laughs> so I kind of get a kick out of that idea. You know, it feels like it's 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 got possibility to go in different directions. Um, and he's a he's a director who's you know got just a touch of imagination, creativity, I would say. And because of that, that that leaves a lot of possibilities to consider. So I got a kick out of that. Because as we get closer, I mentioned, we're probably just going to have more and more Suicide Squad stories. And I wonder if we'll even get sort of a hint as we get closer as to what that end credits scene might actually be. Because Brad, as you point out, he's very good at being cryptic. But just because one person is good at being cryptic doesn't mean everybody else on the production is as good. So here's hoping we get just a little more of a teaser. Teasing the fact that DC movies are once again... Uh, starting up and you know we've had a few that we're able to maintain through the uh, recent past year 18 months but more recently we've heard exciting news about productions that are uh, recently started up or will be and James Wan has just confirmed that production on Aquaman 2 has also just begun. Kendra excited? I am actually because Aquaman has been a bit of a mixed bag over the years and I really am looking forward to seeing everything that this article brings up showcased in the movie. I think that they are, I think that they are going for big and I really, really hope that that is what they get when they're pulling from the canon of the comics, when they're bringing in characters that are going to be easily recognizable by people who have enjoyed the, the comics and the, the storytelling factor that's there and bringing that into the big screen as part of the mystery. I really, really hope that this is as successful as they want it to be. Brad, what about you? Yeah, this is um, pretty exciting, not just in terms of the fact that production has started, but that we are going to see some of these uh, characters. Uh, hints of, you know, Mongo and Necris and the others. So that... As a fan, that's really fun. But this also makes me excited for just this podcast in general. As all this stuff starts really getting into production moving along, all the fun stories we're going to get to talk about over the next year. So, yeah, this is this is exciting. Uh, you know, as uh, we can put COVID behind us uh, a little bit. What about you, Seth? Hmm. I'm excited because Aquaman was actually a really fun movie for me. And I wasn't 100% sure about 
you know, there was a lot of buildup because of Momoa himself as the movie was being, you know, announced and released. And my schedule was crazy. So it was like, okay, when am I going to find time for this? And, and then when I do find the time, um, it's just what I want to invest it in. I'm always sort of on the fence about certain projects, depending on what's going on around me. And I just remember at some point going, yeah, I got a break. I want to check this out. And I had such a good time that for me, the, uh, the idea of looking forward to Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, seeing how much more we could enjoy recently from the Snyder Cut and how much cooler I thought Aquaman was after that, that all feels like a lot of things that I can get excited for, the things you guys pointed out to. Um, the I, idea of all of this material that's available, whether uh, it's the Jeff John run or others, you know, or the others, actually, and, and so many different characters that you could draw from. Um, there's a lot of potential here and there's a lot of great exploration that's possible. And I think more than anything, the excitement that's going to come with it. Right. As you said, uh, <laughs> we're the lucky ones. This just means more and more stories for us to sort of like drool and salivate and wonder over because the movie's not coming out till December 16th, 2022. So right around just under a year and a half that we have to talk about it until it comes out. And I can only imagine there will be more stories. I mean, I, I think we were up to like four stories an episode when Snyder Cut was in its final like two or three weeks. Um, and we've seen that with other great projects. So uh, I'm sure that as excitement continues to build. We're just going to continue to look forward to the great stories we get to share and, and the sort of fun tidbits that are going to be released along the way. One of the movies that has actually been great as far as like teasing me, at least with tidbits, has been the upcoming Shazam, Fury of the Gods. And I mean, it's everything from members of the JSA to what time periods are going to be set in. Like there's so many great possibilities with this project that I love the fact that we now also have a production update from the director. Kendra, what'd you think about this story? And did, did the update feel like it actually gave us something? What'd you think? I think that it did. I like that they, um, that, that lady brought up that he, that this is a very long shoot <laughs> that he compared it to, to the other films um, that he has been in where, when it comes to like Annabelle and uh, Annabelle creation and lights out. And he's saying it, it's basically, it's longer than both of those put together. And for an actor to admit that, you know, that that means they're putting the dedication, the time and the passion into making this the best that they can for fans. And I know that people have been chomping at the bit, not only to find out who's going to be in this as an actor, what the story is going to entail, but also just to have it because like you said we sit here and we salivate over these stories because we're given the hint of things that we have wanted to see on big screen for so long coming to life and we're finally getting that as comic fans so i'm excited to see that this is this has been you know such a long shoot and yes we have to wait until 2023 for it but i really think that it'll be worth it if if everything is is up to the hype that we've been seeing Brad, what about you? Yeah, I'm pretty hyped for this. And I do like the idea that it is, it's a long shoot. It means that we're in for even more action and bigger set pieces and things like that uh, this time around. Uh, and it would be great to get just a little peek at some footage around fandom time. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I, I think the first one, the, the first Shazam, really surprised people 
uh, and uh, I kind of expect the same out of this one. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And again, this is just one of those those things where we have a lot of fun stuff to talk about as these productions continue. And uh, we do, you know, we have until 2023 to to wait for it. But still, these little drip drops of information, uh, you know, can can uh, help with that weight a little bit. What about you, sir? Yeah, I think the, I think they've got a pretty smart crew. I really was one of those people who was impressed with Shazam. Like, I had pretty high hopes. I, I liked what I've seen Jeff Johns do. I mean, um, he's proven more recently with things like Stargirl that, that you can lift this stuff from the page and bring it to the screen in a really great way. And Shazam blew past all my expectations and hopes. Like, I, I was really thoroughly impressed. And, and knowing how long they've had to wait, how long we've had to wait with the recent breaks in production, I feel like there's going to be an intention to recognize just how long it's actually taken. Kendra, you brought it up so well, you know, in comparison to so many other projects that are mentioned, this one's taking that much longer. <laughs> and that's, that's something not only you want to be aware of for the crew, but you also want to be aware of for your audience. It's, it's a bit difficult for them if they feel like they're in the dark. And so letting out these little bits of information. I mean, I can be honest with you. Every time I scroll across one of these stories and I'm like, that's right. This one also has Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu on top of, uh, I think it was Joe, Joe or Joel uh, Centineo, who we've got, and, and a number of other castings that have sort of kept the wheels spinning in my head. So I think they're going to do a nice job between now and 2023 of giving us those little bits of information, continuing to keep us interested. Because... When it's the right project, I mean, come on, how long have we been interested in Black Adam? Really? Um, <laughs> and, and still, there's this huge uh, ground-swelling excitement whenever there's more that's revealed about it. So I feel like this is going to be a lot of fun. Plus, you know, we got the Shazza family. Uh, <laughs> and I think that um, what they've shown us so far They've, they've sort of set a tone that I think they're going to follow through with. And I love that between now and then, we also have this chance for all those tidbits to be part of the fun speculation that, that we get to have here. Who's it going to be? What's the casting for? What characters can we imagine? I mean, never forget, our imaginations are like the, the best theater ever. And they know that not only do they have to compete with that, but at the same time, it's always sort of fun to spin us off in other directions and then bring us back in and say, hey, wasn't that fun? Didn't you enjoy yourself? Are you not entertained? So with that, <laughs> I'm going to shift this out of movie news because, man, we have so many great news stories. Uh, moving us right into our next category, TV and streaming news, is the announcement that Batwoman is casting for three new characters, including Renee Montoya. Kendra, what do you think about this story? This is probably one of the most important stories to me, and that's because Renee Montoya is one of my absolute favorite complex characters of the DC universe. Um, I mean, I, I like that we're getting two new original characters and both of them, it looks like are going to be from, from the same family, mother and, and son. Uh, we're getting Jada Jet and Marquise Jet. And one of the things that I find really cool about that, that's just a quick note of it, is that the son is, is cited as going to be uncontrollable by anyone <laughs> but his mom. 
So that that lends to a cool couple of episodes if they do that right. But Renee Montoya is the focus for me. And I cannot wait to see who they are going to bring in as her. Because for Batwoman itself, that is history. That I hope that they're going to be doing that right. I know that there have been a lot of, of the different stories and attributes that have been taken away from the comics. But that one specifically is one that I really, truly hope that they do justice to the story of the comics and the history of the comics. If they do that, this has the potential to become my absolute favorite show. Brad, what about you? Yeah, I, I really love the idea of uh, Renee Montoya coming to Batwoman. Uh, I've always considered both Batwoman and Renee Montoya two of the most iconic LGBTQ characters in comics. So it makes, and she's, and, and Renee Montoya is a Gotham centric character. So it makes perfect sense that she's going to be part of Batwoman. I, I, I am super excited about that. And yeah, Kendra, I totally agree that this is a very, you know, a very important uh, story this week. Uh, what about you, Seth? Yeah, I think it's a great story. I mean, one of the most important things for me is is just all of the challenges that Ren, Renee Montoya went in, went through in the comics. And I think if you can capture as much of that as possible, bring it to life you know, in Gotham and also allow her to be a great lens to pull us into, I mean, the day-to-day str- struggles and challenges of not only being a police officer, but dealing with so many of the elements that exist within Gotham, as well as what I always enjoyed was the never-ending sort of journey for her day. She she was probably the best uh, next... uh, Oh, goodness, I'm totally escaping his name now because my French bulldog just, like, totally crawled in my lap. And totally, dude, you totally distracted me. Question. Her, Her question was, like, so phenomenal. Yeah, I know, right, dogs? Kendra got me. You understand this. Um, yeah, he just totally was like, dude, I'm here. Attention. Sorry. Whatever you're doing, drop it. Yeah. Um, so with Renee, I love the fact that we can ground a little bit more in the GCPD, that we have an opportunity to um, bring this character to life using such a rich history of comic book material to draw from. And also, as you both pointed out, you know, she has been a great focal point for uh, so many different journeys that others can see themselves in her through the challenges she's going through. And I think she's one of those examples of just how powerful people are when they do the hardest things that some of us think, no, no, I can never do that. And she's one of those great examples of, yeah, you don't have to be a superhero to be a great person, to be your best person. And I I love that example. I also love the fact that we've got these other great characters like Jada Jet and Marquis. And uh, yeah, Kendra, I I get a kick out of (laughs) I will not be controlled or helped or listen to anyone but mom. Only mom. That's it. Like, there's some fun, rich possibilities there. So... uh, I think it's a great announcement. I love the idea of bringing in, you know, Renee and, and adding her rich history to uh, Batwoman. And I also feel that, as you guys both point out so well, like she's a character that fans are going to want to see represented 
on screen correctly in a way that they can identify from their experience in the comics. And I think living up to that is going to be one of those great things that it brings out the best. You know, it's like when somebody is going for the ultimate stretch of their ability and you're like, wow, I didn't know they could do that. But look what they just how they rose to the occasion. I think Batwoman's proven it can rise to the occasion. I think uh, with Renee Montoya, they will. Now, as it said, whenever there is something that is happening on one end of the spectrum, there's always something that will be happening on the other. So Batwoman is getting uh, three new characters, one of which is Renee Montoya, but they are also losing Doug Ray Scott, who will not be returning for Batwoman season three. Kendra, what do you think about this story? I like how respectful this story is, first of all, because it doesn't, it's not like a clickbait for this one, because they set it up beautifully by saying that Doug Ray Scott, that this was always planned for him. He had an intense storyline as Commander Jacob Kane, and it was always, it was always going to be the ending that he was not going to be coming back. But I love that the studio says, you know, this, this was planned. This was going to happen. We wrote this this way. But the door is always open for him to come back, which always lets fans know that at any time, whether they know or not, because we're a bunch of sneaky people who search the webs for any hint of news, um, that at any time that he might reappear. And it might be something that is, you know, a total jaw-dropping moment for the fans. And I love that. Brad, what about you? Yeah, I I think you hit on two important things that stood out to me as well, and that's the respect they paid to him because Dugray Scott has a pretty long and impressive uh, career. So, you know, it, it is good that, you know, they did give him the respect that he deserves and that they're leaving the door open because as a fan, I always like, leaving that open for the possibility of these characters returning. And yeah, we might be at a place where his kind of character arc is done, but there can certainly be stories in the future that could bring him back. And hopefully in some way, we will, uh, we'll get to see that. What about you, Seth? I think you both pointed out uh, some of the best points about this. You know, one, the intention, Kendra, of, of this character's role and how their story would eventually come to an end. This was all part of a plan. However, there's what you plan, and then there's things that occur, and the respect that's given for how things went down, for how things actually uh, started, got to this point, and will finish, has left them in a place where they're like, hey, not only did that work out the way we wanted, but we are also aware that just because we had a plan, every plan changes the moment you actually like put it into action. Like There's always these adjustments. And Batwoman has done a great job of adjusting, whether it's changing their lead to uh, recognizing how this affects their storyline, but also how this might leave an opportunity, a great one, for uh, Doug Ray Scott to return in a different intention than they had when they originally wrote this plan for the character. And yeah, you, you do have to love the fact that a studio recognizes the quality of an actor who's put in great work and time and is also leaving, but also leaving with a plan of, hey, give me a call. I'll be there. Um, (laughs) 
it also leaves, I think, a lot of us with that that feeling of of class going both ways. You know, it, it definitely feels like one of those things where there's a mutual respect, and that's not going to change anytime soon. What is going to change is the fact that you know it's July Fourth, and with July, we have the addition of Batwoman season two to HBO Max. So that's right. If for some reason your schedule is off, your DVR got full, who knows? You can also find Batwoman season two on HBO Max. Kendra, what do you think about the story? Max has become basically a tour de force when it comes to their content. Um, I mean, they they really are the hub for for DC. I mean, if you if you have the inkling to watch whatever, you can go on here and see it. And I do love that. I like that Batwoman is there for people, like you said, who may not have been able to see it while it was airing. And that's because a lot of our society has shifted from watching it on cable the night it premieres to moving into the streaming service. So I do. I love that. I love that they're going to have that available. Brad, what about you? Yeah, I I love that fans who do want to wait and watch it on the streaming service don't have that long to wait. Uh, it seems like in the early days of streaming, you'd have to wait a year or, or more for the season to hit. But now, when these kind of in- companies have their own streaming service, they can put it out a lot quicker. And I think that makes it a great experience for fans. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, once again, it's just a great time to be a DC fan. Uh, what about you, Seth? <laughs> Brad, whenever you say that, all I could think of is uh, a little clip from Family Guy in the early days when he'd be, Bully! Isn't this a great time to be alive? Bully! 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 (laughs) (laughs) And and that always just makes me smile. I don't know what it is about that, but there's just something about when someone goes, Ah, isn't it a great time to be alive? Look around us. We have everything. Everything we need. And you can just imagine being so, Brad, just so you know, whenever you say that, there's a moment where you suddenly turn into Peter. And <laughs> you're also around the turn of the century and you're saying bully. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you should have that <laughs> as a context. And uh, Kendra, you're welcome to also create that own image if that's something that, that you enjoy too. It's not just for me. This isn't just a private thing. Folks, if you're listening to it and you would like to do that, please let me know. I'd love to know that we're all sharing a cosmic experience like that. <laughs> I do think it's great that uh, there's a recognition of just how valuable streaming has become. Um, you know, I got a kick out of uh, the fact that when we were talking back when, guys, a year, two years now, when we were talking with Mark Guggenheim, and he was saying like, yeah, man, you know, we got kind of burned a little bit on the first year of uh, Legends because they weren't getting the same sort of response they would love to. And yet once it got picked up as a streaming show, it, they, they found a whole new generation of audience. And, and that's something that has been part of the adjustment. So the recognition from um, Warner, from DC, from HBO Max, like, hey, look, some people love to catch this as part of a weekly experience, and that's how they do it. But there's a changing demographic within uh, television and programming viewing. And we need to recognize how it is that we can serve both of our communities. And and also, people are on a budget, man. Like, not everybody's going to have 15 different streaming platforms. So maybe the one that they've got is HBO Max on top of a couple others, and that's how they get their DCCW content. This is a great idea. 
And but as you pointed out, you know, for those people that love to just stream it, you know, binge it out, like this is huge. <laughs> what's not to enjoy? And when it comes to what's not to enjoy, what's not to enjoy about a DC Comics villain who has been quite the impressive thorn in the side of the Green Lantern Corps, but has also recently potentially taken on a new direction? Or is he just the same old guy? I'm talking about Sinestro in the recent casting of Tobias Menzies, whose name I may have just totally butchered because that's something I do, uh, will be joining Green Lantern to take on the classic, the legendary, the somewhat nefarious character. Kendra, what do you think about this announcement? Not gonna lie, I was holding out for Mark Strong, but that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. I mean, I am. I mean, this is a guy who has already proven his chops in Game of Thrones and also on the the Crown itself. So he's used to big roles that need personality and character. And seeing him not only as as uh, Sinestro, but before Sinestro became who we almost all identify him as is going to be an interesting bit of, of watching. I mean, it's going to be cool to see the predate and see him come into what we know him as, as, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the scary nefarious guy that he's going to become. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with him to get him where he needs to be. And I'm, I'm excited for that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that he's going to do an amazing job and I know I'll be paying attention to see how, how it plays out as will you guys, Brad, what about you? Yeah, I cannot wait to see how they, you know, how they use the different green lanterns in the show. What time frames are we going to be seeing? Is it going to jump? Is it going to be like an anthology where every season is a different lantern? I, uh, I really can't wait to see how that plays out. And this just makes me more intrigued because kind of like you said, it's an early version of Sinestro and he was one of the greatest Green Lanterns. So that really, really gets me curious just how they're, you know, what they're going to do with the character. Uh, What about you, Seth? So, yeah, uh, Kendra, for starters, Mark Strong. Come on, we got to figure out where this guy's going to end up because he did the first Green Lantern, right? And then wasn't he the bad guy in Shazam? Um, (laughs) So it's kind of like we're going to have to stick him in one spot. Like he's going to be one bad guy. Because if we later do team ups, it's going to be kind of tough if he's playing Savannah and Sinestro. However, it's been done before. So I'm I'm up for it. Um, But I I can see where you're going with that. And I mean, the guy is such a good villain. I, I get it. But, you know, I love the fact that you pointed out that there's already an established uh, credit history for Tobias Menzies and that fans of Game of Thrones will will recognize him and that we will get a chance to see a Sinestro before he became the villainous Sinestro. And Brad, as you point out, he was one of the greatest Green Lanterns. And what I'm going to enjoy about that is it's kind of a combination of what you both mentioned. It's the expectation that longtime fans of the series and of the characters will be looking for those hints, those, you know, little, uh, works to his personality that reveal the darker side we know exists within him and yet at the same time how it's going to be balanced by the fact that man when it came to will when it came to like composure i mean sinestro is like a conductor you know i always loved the idea expressed when uh green lantern started looking at the way each character used their willpower to create a construct with the ring 
And there was always something very specific about Sinestro. You know, there was a lot of clean power. It was like grace, but it was like the grace of like uh, someone performing ballet. You know what I mean? You know that there's this unbelievable like concentration and strength behind that. And, and getting to see a Green Lantern, who we know for us, uh, has you know some darker tendencies and and will eventually become a, a different figure altogether. What a great introduction for new fans for this idea of like, hey, this is what a Green Lantern looks like when they're not learning, when they've mastered this ring, when they are actually like so good they start to you know question other stuff. That's always where you get into trouble. So I think it's a great casting choice. I love the fact that this is the kind of Sinestro we're going to be introduced to initially. Because then later when we hopefully get the chance to see a story about him uh, taking that turn, we'll have that great uh, comparison. And when it comes to characters taking a turn, show that has had plenty of twists and turns uh, in its seasons has just announced its seven-season finale synopsis for The Flash. And there's some tidbits to be unearthed. Kendra, what do you think about this story? I don't know if I can express my amount of love for this story properly. Um, I love one of the biggest things that I love seeing a character do is have character development, especially if it is a good slow burn. And in this case, I love that Eric Wallace says that in some point, the hero in order to graduate needs to be more of a leader and less of a mentee. And that is something that we can expect to see in in this finale also getting to see the debut of bart allen is going to be amazing because that is something that most fans of the flash are are used to seeing we're used to seeing that when something big happens in the world of the flash there's probably going to be more than one speedster on the screen or on the comic book panels so it's really cool to see that they are not only adapting that but that we get to see uh, we get to see Flash take over more of a leadership role. As we've watched him grow, we're going to see that kind of culminate. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see that. Brad, I know you're a huge Flash fan. What about you? Yeah, I I love the idea of getting all the uh, the speedsters together. The whole family of speedsters thing has been such an important thing in the Flash mythos, especially you know over the past few years that it's going to be so much fun to see everybody and i love that uh we're getting uh nor west allen back as well so yeah this is going to be uh a season finale that may be up there with crisis as far as you know being um important and just you know a really well-told story what about you seth yeah wow brad nice job Kendra, love it as well. Um, the thing you guys are bringing up is one of my favorite parts about the Flash family is what it's like when there's a big event and you get all these great speedsters. And I used to love those moments. Um, there's some characters I, I miss that I would love to see eventually pop up on the show, whether it's Johnny and Jesse Quick. Um, the idea that we're going to have Bart showing up and um, Nora returning as well. I, I love the teaser they just had for the most recent episode. Um, she, she had a great moment when she uh, just sort of appeared at the beginning in sort of like a dream-like sequence. And the, the knowledge that we know that she and Bart will be showing up soon, it, it also just, for me, gets me excited about the fact that one of the great things about 
very becoming a leader. Kendra, I love that you pointed that out. And the importance of that is, is it was one of those great defining moments for the flesh when, when he recognized that once he got into a certain point, it, it was as much about him learning, but it was about turning around and teaching. And that was something that I, I felt like he didn't get the chance to do as much with uh, Kid Flash. They, they, there wasn't a clear direction with that character in the story. And it would have been more enjoyable to have seen some of that develop earlier. But getting the chance to see him work with Bart, for me, it also just suggests the possibility of one of my favorite Flash characters, which is Max Mercury. And if any of this could potentially lead to Max showing up and offering that that Zen master of speed knowledge that he gave, that would be part of the great leadership growth and development for Barry. Well, I mean, come on, man. Like, why don't you just tickle me while you're at it? Like, seriously, <laughs> like, get the feather out, start playing with my toes and bottoms of my feet. And I'm just going to giggle like a little kid and and I'm going to be OK with that. And we do know now that uh, there is a season eight coming our way that uh, a few of the Flash actors have announced their intention and will be staying on. I'm talking about Jesse L. Martin, Candace Patton, Danielle Panabaker. And just to sort of have some fun with our last story in this story is the fact that the uh, finale suggests that even though he just left, Cisco Ramon will be showing back up to help out the team. And and maybe pop back in a little bit for uh, some time here and there on season eight. Now that we know that Martin, Patton, and Panabaker have all committed to uh, another season. Andrew, what do you think about this continuation announcement? Flash is already one of the oldest shows. It's already set itself in stone in the Arrowverse. And while there's a lot of speculation on whether or not this will be the final, it hasn't been stated that it is, but there's still speculation. I'm really glad to see that people who have been here are continuing on in their roles, where we have, you know, Joe West, Iris, and Caitlin staying. And of course, Grant Gustin is already here through season eight, so his deal just stayed the same. I'm excited to see what they're going to bring because, I mean, They've already done such a great job of, of showing the Flash of stories from many different points of view and from many different points in the comic. So it's exciting to think about what they're going to be bringing to the plate for season eight and having these, you know, mainstay characters there is just going to help further further make that anticipation rise. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I really love this story because we've talked a lot uh, you know, so many stories of people leaving shows. So it's kind of nice to have uh, news that people are staying. And I really do think that uh, Daniel Pennebaker has been, and Candace Patton have both been such anchors for the show that it would just be, uh, it just would be a real shame to lose either of them. They're so important to the foundation of the show. So I, I'm really glad that they are, you know, going to be sticking around. Uh, you know, we've, we've lost enough cast members, so it's good that we're going to still have, you know, still have them around. What about you, Seth? I just love the fact that we know that the gang's going to be all together for next season. I mean, uh, as the story pointed out, um, Grant Gustin was already uh, had a contract in place that ran through season eight. So now it's just a matter of, 
seeing who else from the squad will be able to continue on. Panabaker, Patton, Martin, they have all played instrumental roles in the story of The Flash. And I, I think when it comes to Patton providing that, that lightning rod for Barry, which has always been one of those uh, great things about Barry and Iris, is something that the show needs in order to maintain all of the great things it's done so far. I think on top of it, Martin's been just a joy. I think he offers that, you know, ground level experience for uh, what it's like for law enforcement to deal with the situations they're dealing with. He also has that great father perspective and the man can sing. He's got pipes. Uh, there's always the chance for another musical episode when we know he's coming back around, uh, as does the rest of the team. Um, as someone, I think it was in the first season or two, sort of had fun with me. He's like, oh, yeah, if you want to see Grant Gustin early, you know, go back to the days of Glee and uh, check out the pipes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. So, you know, you've, you've got that great connection with everyone. And then, yeah, Hannah Baker has been offering up some um, some really lovely moments to just sort of show what the challenge is like for someone else with meta powers to to have her great history. Plus, recently, I mean, in episodes, they've been doing some interesting things with giving her a love interest who also has ice powers that could be a spinoff potential. And some of the other characters who we've been lucky enough uh to enjoy and watch and and the way that they have taken on significant roles in this series uh, have made this feel like it's a it's a real team story with the flash so having these members back on such a great um for me it's one of those great things to always continue looking forward you know i, I remember way back when it was like the second episode numbers for season one came out for the flash and, and how quickly um what's his name from arrow was to say, like, man, you guys can go for 10 seasons if you want on these kind of numbers. The fans will be there. You know this. Enjoy all of it. And, um, man, I hope they keep pushing. I just hope they keep pushing as far as they want to keep doing it. And uh, I know if they do, I'll be there to watch. Just like I will be sticking around every time there's a new episode of Legends of Tomorrow because the show just makes me laugh and chuckle. Recently, there was some fun in one of the episodes that, that let us know that uh, the Hall of Justice still exists. But unfortunately, if you're Nate Haywood, a.k.a. Steel, that doesn't mean that you actually get a seat there. Exist or not, uh, you know, getting a seat, a whole other story on top of things. Kendra, are you a Legends of Tomorrow fan? What did you think of this uh, story and you know, how it talks about the excuse me, recent episode? I feel like I've been so positive this podcast and I normally have at least one story where I'm like, oh, this is that story. Um, I mean, I like, <laughs> <laughs> this is my naysay story. <laughs> I like that they're bringing up in Legends of Tomorrow that, you know, something as recognizable as the Hall of Justice, but. <laughs> the biggest part of this article and what really stands out to me is that they haven't done Jack with it. All that they've really done is basically say, like with Nate Haywood in, in this episode of Stress Western, that he's not good enough to be at the table. Which, I mean, okay. That that makes sense. But if you're not good, why would you bring up something so iconic and then not do anything 
Like that's, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I have faith, I have faith that they're going to do something with this. But again, it came as, you know, it came off of such a huge episode. You know, I mean, it was, it was at the pinnacle with Crisis on Infinite Earths. We get to see the Hall of Justice and then nothing happens. It's like the best analogy I can think of off the top of my head is James Gunn giving us something so freaking cool at the end of a credit scene and then nothing, nothing is done with it. It was it was just there to be there. And that's not something that I think that they can afford to do with the Hall of Justice, given how important it is. So I really, really hope that they utilize it. I'm glad that it's still being touched upon. But why keep that so prevalent in fans' minds if you're not going to do anything with it? Brad? Yeah, you know, I don't know what to expect with this because... Legends is such a quirky, irreverent show that maybe they will use it in some way that plays it just for laughs. So, you know, Kendra, I get where you're coming from, but, you know, I, I do have faith, that little S of hope that Seth likes to talk about a lot, that there might be some more weight to, to, to this story and bringing back the Justice League and Legends. So, yeah, I don't know. I'll... I guess I'll withhold judgment until I, I see what happens. What about you, Seth? Yeah, this definitely felt like a steaming pile of um, foreshadow. <laughs> it just really felt like like it was such a drop in line. Do you know what I mean? And, and the way it came out, it was like, okay, so we know the Hall of Justice is still there. We know that there is a form of a Justice League that, that very, you know, had this inkling of idea for when he helped introduce it all to everyone. But then, yeah, what are we, what are we actually doing with that? And there's been some challenges. I mean, Arrow versus, or the, the Arrow show is, has gone off the air. Supergirl will be ending soon. So I feel like with that flux, there, there are still questions in the, the minds of fans. Like, so was that just a tease or will we ever get back there? Now, the great thing is that when it's done by Legends of Tomorrow, there's such a meta feeling involved with the show. I mean, every time they talk about, oh, yeah, the season finales. Oh, don't worry. You'll experience it. Like, their, their awareness of finales and crossovers and their willingness to sort of just throw things out like that. Sometimes it's just a throwaway. And other times it, it is an actual foreshadowing. So for me, I, I know nothing's been established yet. But there's a part of me that feels with a time-traveling show, there's an opportunity in a future episode, maybe the finale of... Uh, season finale for uh, Legends to go to that moment just for a moment, you know, and just to have Dave be like, okay, how do I get a seat? Or, man, I can do something right now and and have some fun with it. So I I, I would love it if this actually leads to something. But if not, then yeah, I'm going to be kind of annoyed because you really got my hopes up. I've been hoping. And I'm going to keep hoping, because as Brad pointed out, that's kind of one of those things I do. But I would love the hope to lead to something instead of it just being like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just holding out hope because that's what I do, 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 do. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit back and see how this season you know, continues that, that teaser for me, because it's just too good. And why pass it up? Like, why not have some fun with the Hall of Justice? And in doing so, potentially 
bring us back around to this Justice League idea in some way, shape, or form, or, or maybe even just gauge fan reaction and go from there. I, I, I could, I could keep going on this for a while, but I love the possibility. So for right now, I'm just leaning into possibility. And with that, we have one more TV streaming news, and then we're going to take that quick ad break. And that is, uh, we're not done talking about James Gunn. Because remember, he's got that spinoff from Suicide Squad, Peacemaker. And not only does this story point out to a recent tribute that he paid to rapt actors, but a tease of two more weeks of production. What did you think of the tease, Andrew? I love it. I do. This one, this one is so fun. <laughs> I do. I, I do. I love it. I, I love seeing <laughs> all of this, this. There's so much love in this post that I, I have to kind of sit back and be like, you know what? It's, it's really cool to see such a great dynamic between everyone who's a part of this. I mean, they have so much fun together. They, they pick on each other. There, there's so much just happiness that is centered around this that I'm I'm excited for 2022 to see this. Um, I, I I wish them the best, and I'm I'm excited to see what's going to happen, what we get to see, what the storylines are going to be, and just you know it's going to be just a big ball of fun, and I'm excited for that. Brad, what about you? Yeah, it's hard not to love the love that everybody is showing here and uh i it's it's really kind of cool too that the production has wrapped uh you know it's too bad that maybe we can't see this before 2022 you know once suicide squad is is released there'll still be a big buzz around it so it'd be nice to see it sooner but you know you understand that i'm sure james gunn is going to have to do a ton of press when Suicide Squad comes out, so he'll be occupied, so it may take a little while to finish everything up, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I love it that the crew and the cast and everybody gets along so well, because that really shines through in on the screen when you see the finished product. It really does. I, I, I think that's one of the reasons why people love Firefly so much, is that the cast got along so well. And it was like a family. And it's nice to see that we, that looks like kind of what's going to happen with Peacemaker. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, what about you, Seth? Oh, it was a great story. I mean, I was hooked as soon as I read the part about the three beautiful weirdos who add so much to our show. It's always a wonderful description to say about others and to be included in if, if you happen to be one of those beautiful weirdos. Um, I, I think there's a, a, a lovely delight to that. I, I think it's it's wonderful that there's such a, a feeling of joy among the uh, the cast. Um, <laughs> I think perhaps my favorite response to that was uh, from uh, Juan Manji from uh, Schitt's Creek, who, who just sort of, you know, went off for a bit, you know, just really unleashed how excited he was. And the idea of people, you know, like, I got permission so I can say this and I'm going to say it. So I hope I don't get in trouble, but blah, 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 blah. I had the best time. I mean, you have to, you have to really enjoy those feelings. And I think you both really pointed out that, that excitement and that, that family uh, feeling that a crew can create when they're working on a project and how we've seen it work so well with so many projects in the past and how it's been one of those examples of 
just what a good suit looks like. Um, that's going to wrap us up for the TV and streaming news section of this episode, which means it's time for a quick ad break. We're going to go ahead, step away, and let you hear about all the great things that we have going on here at DC Comics News. And then we're going to come back because we've got stuff like comic book news and more. And trust me, you're going to want to hear all about it on this edition DC Comics News podcast. We'll be right back after these ads. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien... Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's DCNEWS35. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton. And I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? 
What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f with Lois Lane. For f**k's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love. The Harley Quinn Past. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes or Dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth <laughs> joke. <laughs> ears hoping. <laughs> We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you cuff. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's, that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And just like that, as promised, we are back. The ads are over. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. I'm with the amazing Kendra Hale and Brad Blicky. We covered the movie and TV streaming news segments time to dive into that great source material i'm talking about comic book news and to start things off i'm talking about the fact that grant morrison will be taking a break from dc after his soon superman and authority titles brad what do you think about this story or sorry kendra, uh, i switched it up on you yeah. <laughs> kendra you're up what do you think about this story <laughs> 
<laughs> I was going to let Brad go. Like, all right, do it. Go. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you got to respect Morrison. You really do. I mean, he's he's saying that there are things that he wants to do that are aside from writing. And he's given so much of himself to the fans. I mean, he's given I know he's given me some of some great memories and some of the best stories I've ever read. So I look forward. I wish him well. I want to see what he's going to do outside of things. I, I wish him the absolute best. Brad, what about you? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a legend, so he can do whatever he wants. And I think that when he does return to comics, it's going to be as good as he ever was. And, you know, fans are going to love it. Um so I, you know, I, I, I get it. I wish him the best of luck, but it, it seems like he hasn't done a whole lot with DC recently. Um, maybe I'm missing something, but he had the Green Lantern series that everybody loved, and he had the Wonder Woman Earth One Volume Three. So, uh, you know, he seems like maybe this is kind of a good time to take a break when he doesn't have a lot of DC stuff on his shoulders like he has had in the past. So yeah, I, I'm sure we'll, we'll see him again in DC soon enough. What about you, Seth? I'm intrigued. I, I mean, he spent so much time with DC. I mean, you know, they, they talk about the amount of time, depending on how far back you want to go and, and where you want to start, you know, your own timeline as far as his work with uh, DC, you know, at one point, it's described as a 17-year stretch, but then it's a 29-year one if you include 80s and 90s work and the hiatus. I mean, I think when you're working as much as he has and continues to do, there, there comes a point where, for whatever reason, you know, as he describes it almost, um, he kind of sees it as being uh, an, an apology, um, a way of saying, yeah, sorry, I stuck around so long. And in that apology, you know, love letter kind of came through Green Lantern, which, my goodness, that stuff he was doing with Liam Sharp was just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, some of the most phenomenal storytelling and art I've ever come across. And I think at some point, for whatever reason, there's new directions to consider. Um, some of his indie stuff, Proctor Valley Road and some others, I, I know that some of those projects, as he mentions, are... Um, considered for adaptation he's looking at taking those and novels and and looking at that project and production process and i'm sure with time there's always you know a question of when it's the right time to try and pursue something like that um you know brad as you pointed out he doesn't have as many titles on his shoulders right now so maybe this is the best time to step away um, but his history as well kendra as you mentioned um you know this is a guy who's done so much so I kind of feel like when you've done that much, you sort of know when it's your time to step away. And also, maybe just timing-wise, there's things you know you want to pursue, and there's a short window for that that you have to go after at some point. So for whatever the reasons are, um, I love the fact that we get one last title from him uh, with uh, Superman the Authority, and I also love the fact that there's this um, sort of interesting thing about this was something he was working on kind of quietly on the side while Green Lantern was going on, and yet because of how things went down with the past year, we're getting it now. 
So we, we do get this one last piece, even though Green Lantern was supposed to be the goodbye letter. It's a, it's an interesting quandary, and I'm, I'm curious what this last bit of Grant Morrison in D.C., at least for this stretch, will be with Superman the Authority. I, I loved the Authority when they first came out, so seeing that sort of mix between Superman and some, well, not always known for following the rules type heroes should be a lot of fun. More on the comic book news front is the revelation of a new Batgirl costume for Fear State. I'm intrigued. Kendra, what was your thoughts? I really love seeing this one in motion. And you get to see that in, in on the cover for uh, for the Fear State. And I'm I'm really excited. I mean the the caption alone that we get to see, you know, there's a new state of fear after the Bat family receives misleading intel from Oracle and Babs didn't send it herself. I mean, I, I love it. I love that whole drawing in to see not only, you know, the story, but seeing her swinging. This this suit is, is really gorgeous. I mean, I know Brad's going to go more into detail, but I love it. I mean... I think that it looks really good when put among the other the other members of the Bat family. She still draws my eye. I think it looks practical, functional. It looks badass. Brad, what about you? One of my favorite comic drawings in the past few years uh, is that picture of Batgirl looking in the mirror, taking a selfie. Uh, I loved how the costume looked, how it was, how it still looked like Batgirl, but it looks like something that she could, you know, like a hipster costume and something that she could put together on her own, looked like she had Doc Martens. And I, I love that this new costume draws inspiration from that, but kind of kicks it up a notch to the more like, um, professional superhero type of thing. I, it's, it's just, uh, a great segue uh and like an evolution of the costume uh it's just yeah it from a flicky fashions point of view it definitely gets gets a thumbs up uh in fact this might be some of my favorite superhero costumes in uh in recent memory uh what about you seth big bold statements from brad very impressive kendra i loved what you said about um the, the scene in motion and, and also how it's this lovely tease for the story about Oracle giving um, misleading intel, but it didn't actually come from Babs. I mean, recently in the Batgirl storyline, there was the Oracle AI construct and some conflict between Barbara and that. So I wonder if that might be making an appearance or some other form of Oracle uh, taking place and sort of mixing things up for the team with misleading information and then how it brings the team together. The new costume I think is phenomenal. I, I think I could attempt to give further breakdown, but Flicky Fashions just did it for me. Don't worry, folks. The podcast is coming, and when it does, Brad will be the one each and every time to break this all down for you. I love the descriptions as I was reading through the story about some of the details that I love looking over with this costume. Like, even the lipstick being of like a, a black and blue sort of tint almost being included with the disguise um and so many great elements to the costume whether it's the black cape with the yellow back which just 
I don't know. It gives me like a Batgirl feeling. It gives me a Robin feeling. It gives me a Bat family feeling. And there's just so many other amazing details. It, it's a really cool costume. Um, I love that it's, it's something we'll get to see more of for those who will be reading Fear State. I know I will. And um, I get a huge kick out of the fact that uh, when it comes to great stuff like this, like there's just this like really fun smile for me. Now, this one is going to shift us into our uh, toy news because we do have a couple of stories in that direction and the first of which is the fact that funko has launched no surprise here a set of suicide squad pop figures kendra do you have a favorite or one you know you're going to be taking home with you it's okay if it's more than one really i promise let's say <laughs> as soon as as soon as this launched and as soon as this went live my husband already had already come to me <laughs> And been like, look, they have new Harley. <laughs> and there's, I love that. I love that. I know that a lot of people are going to be like, oh, it's just a cash grab. And there's already so many. And you know what? You're right. But who cares? If you don't want it, leave it alone. It's like, it's just your opinion, man. <laughs> but I love that there's such diversity that we have a couple of options when it comes to the Harley Quinns that each and every one of these you can almost instantly recognize what character they are and that's something I've always loved about Funko is their attention to detail and yes 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 there will be multiples of these that will be added into my collection Brad what about you can we talk about how adorable the king shark is with the little syntax <laughs> and waving and the smile? It's just if I was going to get any, that would probably be the first one that I uh, that I go to. But yeah, Kendra, the, the detail is really cool. I, I I love that rat catcher is holding a little rat. I think that's a, a cool little detail. And it's kind of a cool Funko Pop, too, is that we haven't really seen much of Ratcatcher 2 without her, you know, with her mask on. So that's kind of a cool image to get. It's one that we haven't really seen a lot in in the trailers. So, yeah, uh, I, I almost feel like anybody listening to this who buys Pops already knows about these and already has them pre-ordered. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But that King Shark is definitely my favorite. What about you, Seth? They're just so cute. They're they're just so adorably cute. Um, I love that polka dot man's in like a Neil squat pose, like lining up target fire, you know, definitely. <laughs> and then by comparison, you've got King Shark like hi, 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 and and hi. Um, yeah, the other great details that you guys have already pointed out are awesome. I even love that Rick Blythe got a little like bloody scar over his right temple. Uh, <laughs> and, and there's just a lot of fun there. Sure. Kendra people can say it's a cash grab grab, but come on, man. Like when it comes to most memorabilia, that's an easy thing to sort of like go towards and, and I get it. But at the same time, like, Hey, look, if they weren't so adorable, people wouldn't get them, but they are so adorable. So guess what? People are getting it, and they don't care if you try and make a big deal out of it, being cash or this and that. Because when it's on your shelf, when you're looking at it, when you're smiling, you don't care about any of that stuff. I know I don't. And uh, I love the fact that this is our first one in the news uh, for toys because we're moving on to more. And the announcement that DC Multiverse 
San Diego Comic-Con exclusives will also be heading to Target. What? Kendra, can you fill us in on this? How freaking cool is that? Okay, hold up. So normally, getting the San Diego Comic-Con exclusives are so, so hard to do. Because if you're not there in person to purchase them, then someone who has gone there or has, you know, has access to them puts them online for such a high markup that it makes it near impossible to get these. But the fact that they're working with Target in order to bring them to the masses is so freaking cool. And not only that, but they're they're affordable. I mean, Peacemaker itself, Unmasked, is going to be for $24.99. That's the price of a normal figure from McFarlane. And yes, Darkseid is a little bit more expensive in the $40 markup, but look at the amount of detail. He is so badass. I mean, could you imagine just sitting there and looking around at your, your collection and then you just look at his face and see the definition of his muscles and he just looks so wicked. I love this. As a collector myself, this is such wonderful news. So I'm 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 hands on excited. Brad, what about you? Yeah, I I love the idea that fans who can't make it to San Diego are going to be able to get these figures because there is such uh, a rabid fan base out there for you know McFarlane uh, figures, and fans are just going to go nuts. And it's great that they're going to be able to get them in their hands now without having to go through eBay or, you know, some kind of secondary collector's market where things are so overpriced. And like you said, Kendra, they're, you know, they're reasonably priced. You know, they're like the regular McFarlane uh, action figure costs. So, yeah, I think this is uh, uh, is a win-win for, you know, for fans and uh, and McFarlane toys. What about you, Seth? Oh, fans win. Fans win immediately when there isn't that, as you so well described, Kendra, that markup that occurs. You know, the exclusivity of, A, can you be someone who gets to Comic-Con and and then, B, be someone who buys one. And if you don't fall into either of those categories, well, guess what? You fall into C&D, which is you're hunting online, you're potentially overpaying a god-awful amount of markup just to get your hands on something like this. Whereas instead, you you just got to go to Target on, what is it, like August 16th, I think it says? Yeah. August 16th, you can get Darkseid for 40 Peacemaker for $24.99. Um, and, and as you pointed out, both of you so well, um, <laughs> this is a chance to actually like get your hands on this. Kendra, I can imagine looking around your collection and being like, and there is my super cool Darkseid. And then one little tidbit that, that, right? Yeah, that caught my attention was uh, if you go through the description for each of the uh, the figures, they give a bunch of great stuff, the, the moving parts, the posability, the stands. And then I noticed with the uh, one for John Cena and the uh, Peacemaker is that that figure includes one of four pieces that when combined with the remaining pieces will assemble King Shark. Anybody else see that? Yes, and I was waiting because we have a story coming up about that that I have, I have yeah. side notes yeah. on, so... <laughs> aren't these guys so cool aren't they yes. I mean, yeah yeah hey so you know just you know bated breath hang on okay we're gonna move on to the next story is it the one that kendra was just talking about i i i i'm not gonna tell you 
What I am going to do is tell you that right now, our next story is about how McFarlane Toys has previewed a DC retro line for Batman 1966. Go ahead and get excited because my dogs are snoring in the background, so I can't get them going at all. But that's why I've got Kendra and Brad with me. Kendra, your thoughts. This is so cool. So cool. So McFarlane has done fan, fans and collectors a supreme justice with making sure that when he takes a character and he makes it into one of the, the figures for a line, that he makes sure that he can give you all kinds of just happy, happy, joy, joy feelings. You look at it, it's instantly recognizable. And not only with these, some people have said that they are, they are more simplistically designed than the newer figures when it comes to detail. But if you really think about it, this is Batman 66. There wasn't a huge supreme amount of detail to begin with. That was part of the love for it, was how simple some of these characters were. And in this, we get Batman, Robin, Joker, the Batmobile, and a Batcave. I... I there's just, what more could you ask for? I mean, yes, you could ask for the remaining figures and maybe this is a toe in the water for McFarlane to see how well this line will actually do what the reception and love for the 66 line will be before he expands that market. But I mean, with all the little tidbits you get with each figure with the points of articulation, it's just, it's, it's a win-win for fans young and old because it gives you your older fans who were there for 66 that sense of nostalgic love again. And it's a great introductory to the younger fans to see where everything pretty much started. Brad, what about you? Uh, I love the idea of play sets. You don't really see that a lot anymore with action figures. They just kind of release the figures unless you're talking something like Lego. But as somebody who's kind of introduction to all this you know, nerd culture stuff was G.I. Joe back back in the day. Uh, it, it, it reminds me of those G.I. Joe play sets and like some of the Star Wars play sets they had out. Uh, like you said, it, it's retro in the best way. And I think that I, I do think that fans are going to love this. And I do think that they'll eventually expand the line. And there's so many cool things they can do uh you know getting a cool catwoman figure riddler penguin there's so much they could do with the batman 66 so yeah this is just this is just fun all around what about you seth there's 51 pictures in this story 51 <laughs> pictures of batman robin joker like it's so easy to just sort of just like glom on to everyone and just like i mean there's so much fun to be had from looking over these figures, whether it's the, uh, as you pointed out, Kendra, like there's a real understanding of the fact that one of the great things that made these characters was a, just a streamlined simplicity to the design of the outfits, of, of so much of, of how they were presented, that it didn't require all these extra layers of zippers or other, you know, different details. And that because of that, these characters feel so wonderfully nostalgic and also so fresh and new. Um, I love some of the little twists, like the idea that during action scenes, they're actually holding a, a pow or a kapow sort of like thing in their hands, like when they're punching someone, Batman. Um, I love the, uh, the details to uh, Joker's outfit and that by comparison, his little phrasings are things like ouch or sock. 
<laughs> and then place it, Fred, as you point out, man, there's nothing better than imagining that you're in Batman, the movie, and you know, you've got Joker there in the Batcave creating all sorts of mischief or, or other fun. And I, I do think they're going to expand. I really feel like this is going to, as Kendra pointed out, be a great feedback for McFarland by dipping that toe in the water and then getting the response from fans about the idea of, man, so when can we get a cool penguin? When can we get a Riddler in that awesome suit? When can we get an Eartha Kit looking Catwoman? When, you know, um, I think those are things that fans are going to be you know, excited to wait for. And I'm sure that when they get their hands on things like either Batman, the Batmobile, whichever figures or all of them, they're going to have that feeling of like, this is such a great taste. When can I get more? How can I get more? I want more. And if you're, well, if you're a toy maker, like, you know, <laughs> like the ones we're talking about, that's exactly what you want to hear. And we're not done with toys because McFarland Toys is taking pre-orders for Suicide Squad figures. That's right. So you've got your Batman 66. And if you're not broke after buying all of those, we also have <laughs> uh, McFarland's Suicide Squad figures. Now, prices might be reasonable depending on how many you plan on buying. If you plan on buying a lot, well, maybe it's worth to, to go ahead and get a whole case collection. But we're going to break that all down together. Kendra, what do you think about this story and uh, the details contained with it? This is the story. This one. This one right here. <laughs> See, this, if you've been waiting, story. folks, this is it. Kendra's telling you, like, this is what you've been waiting for, folks. I got you. This, hands down, is my favorite story of today. Hands down. I am so excited for these figures. Look how freaking cool they are. I mean, you get Harley and Polka Dot Man and Peacemaker and, and King Shark. And I'm, ah, and Bloodsport. They're so cool. And yes, there is the option to do the Build-A-Figure. Because each of them, uh, one at a time, is $24.99. And each of them come with, with a piece where you can make your own King Shark. So if you're wanting the whole collection as a completionist, there you go. Buy all of them, you have your own King Shark. However, what this does not say is that they are also going to be releasing a King Shark on his own, where you don't have to do a Build-A-Figure to get each of the pieces for him. He just comes together with a dismembered arm and leg that you can put in his mouth, which is absolutely wicked. <laughs> I've never been more excited for a line of figures in my life each of these looks so cool they look like they just stepped out of the movie can you imagine just ah it's wonderful i am excited take my money i am fry take my money brad <laughs> yeah see i did not know about the king shark so that's a really cool thing too uh I, I love looking at the packaging of these characters because the King Shark pieces seem bigger than the actual figure that you're buying, especially when it comes to Harley and like the bottom half of his torso. So <laughs> it's cool that the, uh, the, the King Shark figure is going to be so big. But once again, you've got like, you know, McFarlane just knocks it out of the park with the detailing. Uh, like like the tattoos on the Harley Quinn figure are uh, are just 
perfect. And, uh, you know, just it's the, the sculpting is just amazing all the way around. So I as much as I don't collect toys, if I did, these would definitely jump to the top of my list. I'd be pre-ordering them now if possible. So, yeah, uh, I think that McFarland Toys fans are going to, you know, go nuts for these. And Kendra, I I see your husband posts a lot about McFarland Toys, so I'm sure he is super psyched about these. I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be your example for those of us that are going nuts. Because you're right. I mean, the sculpting for these, I mean, if you think about the toys we had when we were younger, like you brought up G.I. Joe, you know, the more you know. You think about the, the the details that were at that. It was no offense to any of the, the creators of the past, but they were so basic. These are so instantly recognizable that it looks like you're looking at a still from the movie. And it's so wonderful as a collector. Yeah, these are what I wanted when I was playing with G.I. Joe. I wanted toys as detailed as these. And what about you, Seth? They're so gorgeous. And I love the point that you mentioned, Brad, about the fact that the the pieces of King Shark are so much bigger. Like the, the lower half of King Shark is like, I don't know, um, a third larger than Harley Quinn. Like it's just so different. Um, and then when you see the uh, Peacemaker one with the two King Shark arms, like I, I had to chuckle with that. Um, and Kendra, boy, with the uh, with the big news, um, I love that you let us know that, sure, you can get all of this and that, but there's also going to be a King Shark figure. And I agree that, yeah, that, look, there's something great about technology always giving us the opportunity to use um, new facets to, to bring better, clearer details. But for the time that those other figures were created, that was the best they had to work with, man. Like, that's as good as, it, you know, that was what they could do. Now we have so much more possible and because of that, we have these, you know, absolutely uh, gorgeous toys. Um, I also love the packaging. I, I, <laughs> you know, again, this is another one of those where it's like, how many pictures you want? Because this story's got lots and lots of pictures. You just scroll through, have a great old time. And it, it was so lighthearted that then as I turn over to our next news story, I love the fact that we're, you know, sort of taking the opposite end of the spectrum because it's been revealed that Warner Brothers recently turned down a Kevin Smith DC Comics pitch because it was too dark. Too dark, you say. Wow, okay, well, tell me more about this. Kenji, what do you think about this story? My jaw is slack. Because, I mean, looking back at what Kevin Smith has given us in the comic aspects, and looking at where DC has been taking the market currently, especially with ones like Black Label and now DC Horror. What the hell did he send that was so dark? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do? <laughs> right? Like, what did you do? Because, I mean, even even before they had the Black Label and DC Horror, I mean, look at what happened to Kyle Rayner's girlfriend. I mean, look at what happened with Blackest Night, Brightest Day. What do you mean it was too dark? I want to read it. I want to <laughs> know what was so dark that DC was like, yeah, we can't touch this. 
I mean, it's Kevin Smith. I, I, I Brad. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, I gotta say, I am very curious. And you know, you're right. You know, with Black Label and everything, there shouldn't be too many, you know, avenues, dark roads that they can't go down in some way or another. And then, and it looked like it focused on the question. I would love to see his take on the question, especially coming from a dark area, because maybe you guys disagree, but I think Onomatopoeia was one of the creepiest Batman villains, you know, hands down for a long time, at least up until Punchline. And um, yeah, I mean, Onomatopoeia was super creepy. So as funny as Kevin Smith can be, we know that he's got, he, he can do the dark. So I just say, DC, let him have at it. You know, let him take the gloves off. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you would be pleasantly surprised with the uh, with the results. Uh, what about you, Seth? Yeah, this was such an interesting story. I mean, you know, from the starter that some people loved it and then just had to check with others about the property and the character. And then that ran into an issue and then it's funny but it's dark seems to be the only thing that they could agree on yeah we agree it's funny but we also agree that it's just too dark and then it's about the question now that where that's where i get really interested because man there, there's such a, a possibility with the question of of digging into some of the darkest things that might exist it probably could be unpleasant but yes now as you both pointed out i want to read the story and it's suggested in this article that he took a cue from uh, Robert Kirkman and decided to go ahead and do something, you know, basically remove all the intellectual property that would connect to Warner Brothers and choose to do this same story with a different character. But I'm also caught by the fact that this idea that he compared with Kirkman, this idea of being a hostage to my nostalgia, giving all of my best ideas because I love these characters so much. And, and that challenge of, you know, he's been 20 years of trying to make the question and it hasn't happened. So now he has an opportunity to still tell the story he wants to tell, but just do it in a different facet with a different character. I'm curious to see how that's going to play out because, you know, what we've also seen is when someone has taken versions of characters and then turned around and told an amazing story. I mean, that was the whole concept behind Watchmen, right? Which was a pretty dark concept, but to take the, uh, you know, the Charlton characters and then, you know, give them just little twists of individuality and then tell a story from there. How could Kevin Smith potentially do the same thing with a character who's kind of like the question and still, you know, draw on all of those great nostalgic feelings we might have for that character and then tell this dark story? Or will it be separate to a degree that it's it's complete in and of its own without sort of making those um, indirect connections i'm really intrigued because it, it feels like there's a lot of things in here you want to know more about and it's like that i remember kevin smith from that documentary they did about the uh oh goodness the superman movie that never happened the one that was supposed to be with nicholas cage and like all these different elements behind how that project was supposed to be happening and then fell apart so i'm just wondering at some point when we get more information about what this story is and and what it had to deal with that was so dark but also maybe a little bit more about you know 
what that process was like. I don't know who's going to do the documentary, but I'm, I'm intrigued. And, and also now, man, I want to see what, what this story is going to look like with a different character. And the fact that he's like, Hey, look, if you're not going to do this with me, I'm going to figure out a way to get this done. And remember that that's kind of how we got clerks. Like (laughs) his whole thing was like, you know, I can do it better. I can do it better on my own. And I'm going to turn around and do something that no one else has done that he could do this with an original comic book character and give us the story that he would have loved to have told with the question, but couldn't. I mean, that could be one of those things that could come back and bite Warner and be like, man, wouldn't it have been cool if we'd actually agreed to that? We'd, we'd be on the right side of history. Mm, oh, well. Final story we got for you. Injustice 3. That's right. There is speculation that is growing after a NetherRealm Studios announcement. Kendra, did you feel like there was increased speculation on your part after hearing about this announcement, or not? I'm going to sound like such a bad gamer here for a second, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) You're not a bad gamer. But, I mean... (laughs) I'm almost okay. I am. We're going to treat this like it's an episode of Dr. Phil. Um... I feel like that with in the first one where they did the injustice that they they handled it with kid gloves especially coming from from a company that's given us so much wonderful wicked gore over the years when it comes to the Mortal Kombat franchise and I I understand that DC had a huge say in that and a huge part to play in that but it almost feels like a really big disservice to the fans when you come to someone who is known for, <laughs> for their innovative killing styles to be like, well, no blood. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I mean, I guess, yes, it would be fun to see another version of Injustice, but, but there are also speculations on which, which game that they could potentially be bringing to, to bat. I mean, fans are wanting a Shaolin Monk remake. They're wanting to see Mortal Kombat versus Marvel, to finally bring the Marvel characters onto that platform. Um, Marvel versus DC, which I have to say, I would hands down be there for that style of game. I've been there since that comic series was released. I would love to see a game where you could pit your favorite Marvel or DC character against each other. That would be absolutely sickening as a player. But... NetherRealm is really good (laughs) for being very secretive and that both works for and against them because then you have your fan base doing all of the speculating about what could potentially be coming and that always leaves this open field for disappointment. So yes, this is semi-exciting that they're stepping back from you know supporting Mortal Kombat 11 and and having done such a wonderful brilliant game with that one that they're finally like okay let's let's switch gears and move on to another project but what that project could be I don't really know Brad what about you uh if Kendra if your favorite story was the Suicide Squad figures I think this is my favorite story uh I love the idea on two fronts because one, the games are a lot of fun. 
I, if I had to play Mortal Kombat or Injustice, I would choose Injustice. Uh, so the idea of getting more is uh, uh, just tickles me. And not only that, but there's so many other characters that they can bring into the game. So that is fun to speculate about, too. And on another is that, and this is a hill I will die on, that the Injustice comics are the best adaptation of a video game, period. And the fact that we could potentially get more Injustice comics, I I love that idea. So my fingers are crossed that this rumor is uh, is true. So, oh, man, yeah, I, I, I hope it's going to happen. What about you, Seth? Oh, dude, I'll die on that hill with you. No problem at all. Right, I was about to say, you're not alone on the hill, bro. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> Those in, I mean, come on now. That Injustice comic series is just redonk, to quote the kids. Uh, I mean, really. And I, I do think you're onto something. You know, I, I love that it's hilarious to me. Like, as I'm looking over this story, it's all these different people retweeting. Yeah, we're announcing that Mortal Kombat is coming to an end. Great, you know what this means? <laughs> like it's 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 like there's not even like a morning period i mean there's a little bit of one but it's more of like great so we think this means either marvel or injustice and and the way that there's just this quick response now kendra you pointed out um nether realm very well known for being secretive and nothing wrong with playing it you know close to the hilt um but at the same time in the meantime all you have is the speculation. All you have is the questioning and the wondering. And I don't know if you can hear it, but that's my little French bulldog, Bruno. And he's snoring because he's like, dude, I could speculate all day. Or I could just take a nap and you can wake me up when there's something real happening. So, you know, that's always going to be the trade-off. There's going to be those who are like, yeah, dude, let's hit the, the discussion chat. Let's, let's get out there and start talking. Let's, let's run through the possibilities. Let's explore all the speculative. And then there's going to be the others who are like, yeah, just tell me when it's done. Just give me what I want and I'll be happy. Or just tell me you're doing anything. Yep. See, my, my pit bull Fiji, she was just like, dude, I'm out. Like, seriously, you're just going to keep talking about this story? So that was the flap of the years. Like, dude, gone. Um, I think it would be the smartest move in the world. I, I'm intrigued by the idea of, you know, how do you go from being bloody and gory to no blood? But at the same time, if you can do it stylistically, maybe transfer that whole, like, ridiculous gore to, oh, look. It just looks really painful. <laughs> Maybe that's the trade-off. I, I don't know. I mean, there, there's always possibilities, but it's my psychopathic side showing through that I want the blood and the gore. That's that's hey, you know what? I'm good with it. I, I totally get it. I, I'm there with you. However, my one trade-off is like whenever there's in the movie and you get to see that the person's like elbow broken or something. I don't need a lot of blood and gore. That hurts. It just looks nasty as all hell when somebody's arm gets bent. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like if the game trades off with that and like someone's got a dislocated shoulder and they're still fighting, but it's less bloody. I can get down with that. Like, you know, just transfer the, the scope of the violence to a different sort of degree and, and show me like someone with a busted leg limping to fight the other guy or something like that. And who needs blood? Like that, that, that gets me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Brad? I think I'm there with you, Seth. Like if I see somebody in a movie get their arm broke, like you said, my arm hurts. When I see blood, I think, oh, blood. <laughs> at this point right. you know. because there was a degree of like and i remember this i can't remember which one it was but it was, it was one of those like enter the martial arts movie title insert your favorite 
And it was like, you know, there's the, the two swordsmen fighting on the roof. And every time someone's belly would get cut open, it would be like this huge gush of blood, like a fountain. <laughs> you know, kind of like uh, those fountains that they always show in Vegas played the music. Like it was just this unbelievable, like, oh, wow, this is just gallons of blood, mostly fake. And you kind of knew that. But that never got me the same way as when like, yeah, you know, you shoot the guy in the knee. And the guy's like, I'm crippled and in pain and howling. Like, that hurts. I, I can imagine what happens. I mean, I'm the guy who just had knee replacement surgery. Trust me. Showing someone getting hurt in their knee really hurt or the elbow break. Right? So I think you can transfer the violence in different degrees. And, and even if it's just making the characters look a little bit roughed up from the exchange, like that can. Anyways, we can get in and on to that for another discussion. All I can say is, hey, folks, this has been episode number 124. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. That's our final story. This has been the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. We've had a great time talking about all these great stories with you, but you've been listening to us. And if you want to continue this conversation, well, Kendra and Brad, they're out there in the wider world. And if you're nice just now, they might let you and us know how it is we can keep having great conversations with them even when this podcast has come to a close. Kendra, how can the good people find you out in the big wide world? <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, if you, if you want to find me, you're feeling froggy and you want to come for me, uh, Twitter is probably the best place. I can be found at Devour All Words and at, at Devour All Comics. Brad, what about you? Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me writing these reviews, DC Comics News. Uh, you can find me on the Mad Love Harley Quinn podcast, part of the uh, DC Comics News podcast network. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. And Seth, where can people find you? You can find me right here with this amazing group. I'm going to be on that hill with Brad. Maybe Kendra's with us, and we're just going to be getting down, waiting for you all to come after us about that, you know, is it or is it not? We are correct. The Just Injustice comic is the greatest adaptation ever. Come get some. Come on now. That's right. Uh, otherwise, I'm here as often as possible with this amazing crew of podcasters, whether it's on the weekly podcast, whether it's uh, weekly hosting the Spinner Rack, whether it's on Mad Love. Just come find me down here and say hey. And uh, that's your reason for tuning in. Great. If not, well... Brad, Kendra, Kelly, so many other great ones, Steve, and so many others. I mean, they're all pretty good reasons, too. Most of them probably better than me. I get you. I get that. When it comes to letting us, the whole gang, know, just find us on your favorite social media platform, from YouTube to Tumblr to Twitter to Facebook to you name it. Use the ad symbol DC Comics News, capital B, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. Send us a message, send us a question, let us know what you think and tell us how great we are. If you want to tell us we're not so great, uh, send that to somebody else. Um, and please, subscribe. Make sure you never miss an episode of the weekly podcast, Spinner Rack, Mad Love. Uh, I am the Knight uh, over on YouTube, DCN After Dark. I mean, we've got so much coming your way. We don't want you to miss out. Subscribe. Make sure you never miss. And in the meantime, until the next time you're here tuning in to hang out with us, we only have one little reminder we'd love to share with you, and that is to always read more comics. All right, folks, that's it. We are done. We are out of here. Bye now.